Great to have you here. Just to let you know for the visitors here um, this morning, you, can, you are more than welcome uh, to join us uh, for lunch afterwards, so please do stay. We'll be moving the chairs a little bit and stuff like that, uh, but you're more than welcome to stay for lunch. And then uh, for those of you who have children, uh, there is a creche here, but the children are also more than welcome uh, to stay in the room. Um, my children will be staying in the room, and uh, you know what? Children tend to be children, and that's okay. Um, they are more than welcome here, and uh, I'm not that easily distracted once I get going. You'll find out soon, um, but that's the way things are. Okay, uh, if you could open up your Bibles, if you have a Bible, don't worry if you don't, but if you have a Bible, if you could open them up to Matthew uh, chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. This morning, I'm just going to read from um, verse 18 down. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A question I want to ask in relation to this passage is, and in relation to this morning, why are we doing what we are doing this morning? Um, I remember the first time I ever entered a meeting like this, right? <laughs> and people singing and all that kind of stuff and seeming very passionate and in the zone, I called it. Um, when they were all in the zone, I was kind of like, why are they doing that? And then even, even today, what we're going to do today is we're going to baptize someone. And as you look at baptism, some of us think it as very normal. But if you think of looking at it for the very first time, it's actually quite a strange thing. You know, tub of water here, three grown men getting into the tub of water with their clothes on. And then asking this other man, quite a big guy, I'll, <laughs> I'll say, and tall, asking him some questions and then shoving him into water until his head goes in under and then pulling him back up. If you're seeing that for the first time, you're wondering why on earth are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And the answer is actually quite simple. It really is a simple answer. The reason why we do this this morning, the reason why we celebrate and sing this morning, it's a very, very simple answer. Because Jesus told us to do it. That's the answer. Nothing theological, nothing magical about it. Why are we doing it? Because Jesus told us to do it. Now, for some people, that might sound very simple and naive. That might take you back to your school days. You know, when the teacher comes to you and the teacher walks up to you and they say to you, why did you do that, Shane? Well, I did that because Michael told me to do that. And then the teacher says, well, if Michael told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? The answer, of course, is no. 
What is the teacher getting you to do? The teacher is trying to get you to think. Think before you act and don't just do something because someone else has told you to do that something. Don't just do it because someone else has told you to do it. That is certainly true if another eight-year-old tells you to do something. You probably shouldn't do what another eight-year-old tells you to do. But there might be a difference if that person is a person who has authority in your life. It might be different if that person is a parent or a teacher and they tell you to do something. You might want to listen because they have authority in your life. And that is what I would argue from this passage is why we are doing what we're doing. I'm going to do something a little different. Usually I just walk through the passage that I've just read. But what I want you to see in the, in the Gospel of Matthew is this. There is a theme in the Gospel of Matthew that tells us something about Jesus and who Jesus is. And the theme is this, that Jesus is one who has authority. And therefore, if Jesus is one who has authority, then if Jesus tells us to do something, what should we do? We should do it. He says in this verse, in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. The reason he can give these commands, go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them. The reason he can make these commands is because he is one who has authority. And when we hear that word authority, most of us are skeptical of that word. Because most of us think that authority is bad. Because a lot of us have seen in our lives people abusing authority. People in a position of authority, people who've been given a name and they abuse that authority. So I'll give you an example. In our family, we are kind of an international family, and we have a lot of different passports, a lot of different passports. We have Irish passport, American passport, Brazilian passport, and there's always an issue when you're going through customs. And what often baffles me, I hope no one works here, but <laughs> what, often, what often baffles me is the amount of authority that these guys behind the screen have for what they're getting paid, let's be honest. So they can, with their authority that they've been given, they can let you in to the country or keep you out of the country just on the basis of their word. And sometimes what you see is guys like that doing what? Abusing their authority. Some of you might be working at the moment and you might have a boss or a manager or a supervisor and they are asking you to do a lot of foolish things and things that you don't like. And, and that's the reason you don't like the word authority because you have often experienced the abuse of authority. But what we need to remember when it talks about the authority of Jesus is that Jesus' authority is a good authority. There is such thing as a good authority. The authority of parents over children. That's a good thing. The parents aren't, the children aren't just allowed to do whatever they want to do. It is a good thing that they have authority over them to tell them, look, this is a bad idea and this is a good idea. You should do this. You can't do this. By the very nature of us as parents giving our children instruction, we are exercising authority over them. The police in this country, what do we often call them? Authorities. Now, sometimes they abuse that authority. That is true. But can you imagine a society in which we had no authority whatsoever? 
No one telling us what we should do. No one telling us how fast we should drive. No one telling us, you know, stop at the red light, go at the green light. Imagine a world without good authority. That would be absolute chaos. And so Jesus in this gospel, Jesus is a man who shows throughout the gospel his authority. And when Jesus tells us, you need to go, you need to make disciples, you need to baptize them and you need to teach. We need to do that because he is one who has authority. Now, how does he show it in the gospel? Jesus shows his authority in the gospel of Matthew by what he says. By his sermons. You see, Jesus, he was a preacher. And in the Gospel of Matthew, there are these five discourses or five sermons throughout this Gospel of Matthew that you could, that you could see. And they almost, these five sermons, they almost uh, shape the Gospel of Matthew. If you wanted to see the outline of the Gospel of Matthew, you'd follow these five sermons. But one of Jesus' most famous sermons, even if you're new to the Bible here this morning, one of his most famous sermons is a sermon I bet you know. It is a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says a few things that you might recognize. I just want you to listen to these verses. Again, we're looking at the theme of authority throughout this book. And I'll come back to Matthew chapter 28. But just look at some of these verses that he says in this most famous sermon. He says this. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you. Do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. By which we get our phrase, turn the other cheek, right? And then in this, in this gospel of Matthew, he gives us that prayer, doesn't he? Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We all remember that, don't we, from school? Father in heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We always, all of us, we remember that kind of prayer in the school that we were kind of taught to say, and, and Jesus gave it as an example. And then he says, when you pray, don't go, don't go babbling like the Pharisees repeating these prayers over and over again. And the ironic thing is, this is the prayer that we repeat over and over again. We remember uh, this sermon through those words or else maybe in Matthew 7 in this sermon he says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you this is a famous sermon that many of us even if you're new to the bible you will know but in this sermon what he does is he says that phrase five or six times he says you have heard it said but I say to you, you have heard it said, a tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye. But I say to you, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Now, in Jesus doing that, what he is doing is something quite phenomenal. He's taking the Old Testament law and he's saying with the Old Testament law, you have heard this said this way before, but now I say to you. So you say, who on earth is this Jesus that he can come and take the Old Testament law and say, I'm actually going to ratchet it up and change it for you in this way. Jesus is showing us through his words that he is one who has ultimate, ultimate authority. And after he had finished this speech, do you know what the crowds said? After he'd finished the end of this sermon, 
the crowds, it says of them, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, and Jesus finished these sayings, his sermons, and the crowds were astonished by his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. After this sermon, people heard Jesus' words and they were astonished because they had never seen someone like him teach with such power and authority. When you hear the words of Jesus, when you read the words of Jesus, they should astonish us. One of the ways that you know, I think, that you know that you're actually a Christian and believer is suddenly, you see, 15 years old, I, I believed and trusted in Jesus. And I read no books, no books. If I could avoid reading in school, I would avoid reading it. But then when I trusted in Jesus and started reading this book, I was astonished. Now, what makes a 15-year-old astonished by this book, this old book? What makes me astonished by it is the fact that Jesus himself saved me. That's one of the ways you'll know. You're astonished by his teaching. You're astonished by what he teaches. And then there's also this idea of Jesus' authority, not just in his words, but also in his actions. You know, if someone was to bust into your house, right? They were to break into your house, bust into your house, and they would say, we're searching your house now. We're, we're the police. We're, we're searching your house. It's a raid. They bust into your house. They say that. What are you going to ask them? You're not going to trust their words at that point, are you? I hope you wouldn't just trust their words. If some stranger busts into your house and says, I'm the, what are you going to ask them to do? Show me. Give me some evidence. Show me the warrant. Show me your badge. Prove to me that you are one who has authority. Show me. And that is exactly what Jesus does in the Gospel of Matthew. Not only does he show people his authority by his words and by his preaching, he shows people his authority by his actions. Don't just tell me something. I want you to do it. Show me by your actions. And so there is this guy, this centurion, he comes to Jesus just after the Sermon on the Mount. The centurion, he's in charge. He's a Roman officer who would be in charge of 80 to 100 men. And this centurion, he comes up to Jesus and he says this to Jesus. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. So he's coming to Jesus and he says, I have a servant who's paralyzed and suffering terribly. And the Lord said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, I want you to listen. Listen to what the centurion says back to Jesus. Lord, I am not worthy to have you to come under my roof. But only you say the word. You say the word. Just speak it. And my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority. With soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go, and guess what? He goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Why does he give all the instructions and they do it? Because he's one who has authority. In verse 10, it says, when Jesus 
heard these words, he was astonished. How do you make Jesus astonished? When you believe that Jesus is one who has authority. Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house to rescue this paralyzed guy. Jesus, you just say a word. Done. And he believes him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says a word. He doesn't even come near the guy. Jesus says a word. And with the authority of his word, that guy is healed. Now that is a true healer. You see, because on TV, I'm sure most of us have seen these kind of like healers. And it's kind of like, look, give me all your money and, and we'll heal you. You know, they put like their credit card account and whatever. You send the money. And, and what you often see in these channels is guys, guys holding on to people, shouting and screaming and, and loads of music and loads of atmosphere and loads of ambience and all this. And they're shouting and screaming at someone because they've got like a cold or something. And they try and heal them from the cold or whatever it might be. But here's what I say you should do. Get rid of the music. Get rid of the shouting. Get rid of all that stuff. Get rid of the guy and put him to another county and then ask him to heal him just by his words. See what happens then. And don't just get him to heal a guy with a bad knee or a bad back. Get him to heal a guy from a distance who's paralyzed and can't walk. Let's see your healing then. Oh, Jesus is the one who has true power. Jesus is the one who has true, true authority. Jesus is the one who can heal. And so when Jesus comes and says something to us, what should we do? We should do it. And the final way we see Jesus' authority in the Gospel of Matthew is by the titles that Jesus has given. Not only the words that Jesus speaks, not only the actions that Jesus does, but the titles that Jesus has given. Whenever you're given a title, manager, supervisor, boss, I don't care who you are, that gets to your head. You have a title, you suddenly think, power, right? Jesus was given all these titles throughout the Gospel of Matthew, and it is no accident. I'm just going to read some of these titles out to you. He is called the Christ in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, 11, verse 2, 16, verse 16, 23, verse 10. He is called the Son of David in Matthew 1, 1, 9, 27, 15, 22. He is called the Son of God in Matthew 1, 1. He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us in Matthew 1, 23. He is called the King of the Jews in chapter Chapter 2, verse 2, 27, 29, 27, 37. He is called the King of Kings in Matthew 25, verse 24 and 25, verse 29. He is called the Beloved Son in Matthew 3, 17 and 17, 5. He is called the Son of God in Matthew 4, verse 3, 4, 6, 8, 29, 14, 33, 26, 63 and much more verses. He is called the Lord in Matthew 8, 6, 8, 8, 821, 928, 1413, 1522, 1527, 1622. He is called a teacher in Matthew 8, 19, 9, 11, 12, 38, 17, 24. He is called the Son of Man in Matthew 8, 20, 9, 6, 10, 23, 11, 19, 12, 8, 12, 32, 12, 40, 13, 37, 13, 41, 16, 13, 16, 27, 16, 28, 17, 9, 17, 12, 
12, 1722, 1928, and there's still more and more verses in which he is called the Son of Man. Now, why is Matthew giving him all of these titles throughout the gospel? Because he's trying to say to us, this is a guy you need to listen to. If there's any guy, this is kind of like Jesus' CV. If there's any guy you should listen to, it is the one who is the Lord, the King of Kings, the Son of Man. This is a man who has authority. This is a man you should listen to. And then, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus comes and he says these words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And you might say to Jesus, you know, I don't believe your words. Don't believe your actions. And I don't believe your titles. You show me that you have that kind of authority. Often I believe that even Christians forget when Jesus said these words. Jesus said these words just after he rose from the dead. And he said, all authority has been given unto me. Who do you listen to? A guy who's dead or a guy who rose from the dead? I'm going to listen to the guy who rose from the dead. And the guy who rose from the dead comes and he speaks to his disciples. And he says, all authority is given to me. Now you go. And guess what? I'm going to be with you always. So why are we doing what we're doing this morning? Baptizing. Why is Aaron getting into the water? Because Jesus told us to do it. And when Jesus tells us to do something, we do it. So what does that mean for this church? When I ask the question, who is the authority in this church? It is not me. It is not Brendan. It is not anyone in this room who is the ultimate authority in this church. It is Jesus and him alone. And you listen to him and his words. Do you know where churches get it really wrong? When they make the ultimate authority the guy who stands up front. That is, should never be. The ultimate authority is Jesus. And if ever there is a guy who stands up front saying something other than what Jesus has said, guess what you should do with him? Kick him out and fire him. Jesus is the one with authority. He is the head. And he should always be the head in this church. And what does it mean for us individually? It means this, that Jesus must be the authority in your life. That whenever you do something, whatever decision you make, whatever you decide in your life, you do it because Jesus told you and not anybody else. You follow after Jesus because he is the king and he is the one who has ultimate authority. It is the resurrected Jesus who says to us, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for your authority in your words, your authority in your actions, your authority in your titles, and your authority that we see through your resurrection. I thank you today that we can celebrate your resurrection with baptism. Lord, I pray for Aaron. I thank you for him. Lord, and 
the work you have done in his life. Lord, I pray that as we hear his story and hear the account of of him and how you have changed his life, I pray that we would remember that you are the one who has authority over his life and over our life. And so, Lord, I pray that today will be a great celebration for him and a great celebration for us. And so, Lord, I pray all these things in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen.